This is the Light and Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Brett Heinzman. Today, we are in a special series of podcasts interviewing the Bishop nominees for the General Conference Election 2023. And today, my guest is Bishop Matt Whitehead. So let's begin. Welcome to the Light and Life Podcast. I'm Brett Heinzman, and today I am joined by Bishop Matt Whitehead, who is one of the Bishop nominees and currently serving as Bishop in the Free Methodist Church. And as you know, listeners, all of our bishop nominees are being asked the same seven questions. And so the same questions that we have asked the other nominees in previous podcasts are being asked today of Bishop Matt. So Bishop Matt, thank you so much for taking time today to join in and let our listeners hear from your heart today. Yeah. Hi, Brett. It's great to be here. And I'm very thankful to have this opportunity really to talk to our our ministry family. So hey, everybody. Good to be a part of this conversation today. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, Well, we'll jump right in. And let's just start with our very first question that we've been asking, and it is this. What excites you about the thought of being reelected as a bishop in the Free Methodist Church? Yeah, well, there's so much I could say. Um, You know, Bishop Linda and Bishop Keith and I really over the last three and a half, almost four years, have had a, a, a this vision of helping to continue to identify what it means to be free Methodist. And so we developed the Free Methodist Way, which has been so encouraging to see people respond and then kind of further in and deeper down to really ask the question, what does it mean to be free Methodist? What is our vision? And we believe that God gave us really this understanding that the role of the denomination is to ignite a spirit-fueled movement that catalyzes the multiplication of leaders and churches. And we really believe that that's a word from the Lord for the Free Methodist Church. And so the potential of, of continuing to see that embedded into the DNA of our family, uh, to live out what does it mean to really operationalize the Free Methodist Way and this vision uh, is is really exciting as I think about the potential of continuing over these next four years in this next uh, quadrennium to uh, really see that that vision that God's given us and that that identity clarity uh, see that come to fruition. Wonderful, thank you for that response. So what do you believe is one of our greatest challenges as a denomination, and how would you lead through it? Yeah, that's such a great question, Brett. Um, Boy, there's a lot of things I would say, but I think the number one thing on my heart is really embedding evangelism and discipleship into the Free Methodist Church culture. And when I say that, I mean that, that I mean I know that there are places that are are healthy and growing, and seeing spiritual renewal and seeing vitality, but I also know that there are places where that is not the reality. And sometimes, you know, we we talk about the importance of defining who we are as a movement, which I believe is true, but I think that commitment to evangelism and discipleship. We're regularly inviting people to come to know Jesus and helping them to grow deep in their knowledge of what does it mean to be a Christ follower? What does it mean to be spirit-filled? What does it mean to be spirit-directed? I think if if we can uh, continue to, to 
uh, ask the questions and seek the heart of God around how we do that as a denomination. I think the Lord would be pleased if we, um, if we, you know, made the commitment to seek him with all of our hearts around those issues of growing deep in, in who we are. And, you know, we've developed the, the four value statements that I just love because I think they, they further define what it means to be free Methodist, that we would show up dependent and make it simple, lead with courage and live it together. I think if we can do that in the reality of saying evangelism and discipleship are at the core of who we are, and we want to continue to invest in those. And I believe that the other issues that are on the horizon um, will fall into place as we make this commitment to share the good news of Jesus and to invite people to grow deep in their knowledge and love of Christ uh, as we go forward. Amen. Well, speaking of leading with courage, my next question is this. What has been one of your personal leadership challenges and how did you lead through it? Yeah, wow. Um, you know, I think that I would have to reference uh, the situation at Seattle Pacific University, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, where I've been a trustee for a number of years. And I think you're, that, that folks that are listening are aware of this situation, the details have been uh, have been widely publicized. But uh, the SPU board uh, and the and the denomination, really, the Free Methodist Church, have state uh, have taken a stand in support of an orthodox view of Christian marriage and human sexuality, which has really resulted in a barrage of criticism toward not only the board and the denomination, but towards me personally. And so I think that that leadership challenge for me um, has been the ability to be criticized and not respond. To be able to have my reputation uh, questioned and not feel like I have to defend myself. You know, some, someone said that defensiveness is only good in driving. And I think I'm learning... Um, I'm learning that, um, you know, the parts of my character that God continues to refine are around my ability to defend myself, my ability to be well thought of, you know, all those things. And this situation at Seattle Pacific, and by the way, things are, things are in a much better place. We have a new president, Dr. Dina Porterfield is coming the 1st of July, and I'm encouraged and excited about the future. But the crisis, you know, the, the old adage about never waste a crisis, I think has been good for those of us who've been in the middle of it. It's been very difficult personally. Um, but I also see the hand of God in it. And I think it's forced me to my knees. It's forced me to be more dependent upon the Lord and just say, you know, Father, my reputation is in your hands. And you know my heart in this. You know my love for SPU students and faculty and staff, and yet uh, we will not compromise on what it means to submit to the authority of God's word, to an understanding of Christian biblical marriage and human sexuality. So, uh, you know, that's been, um, that's been really challenging. But, in, you know, looking back, as someone said, um, 
we understand the ways of God best looking backwards uh, because we're called to walk by faith. We don't uh, we don't walk by sight. And yet I can so clearly see the hand of God. I know hundreds of people were praying for the SPU board uh, as we as we walk through that situation. And we can clearly see that. But in the middle of the storm, it's easy to lose perspective. And I wish I could say that um, I was hopeful and positive and encouraged every day. I wasn't. It was very challenging. And yet I knew that God was at work. And I believe the stand that we took, that the university took, the board of trustees, the denomination was, was an appropriate biblical thing to do. But it was challenging and it was difficult. Yeah. Thank you so much for such an introspective and open and transparent answer to that. I'm positive that um, many have been praying for you in your leadership for that and will continue to do so. That really does dovetail into our next question. Um, in part, you've, you've kind of answered it, but we'll ask the question and let you respond. One of our greatest societal challenges today is that of sexual orientation and identity. Um, do you fully align with our traditional sexual ethic, believing that marriage and sexual union are reserved for one man and one woman? And then the second part of the question says, but how do we learn to love our neighbor regardless of sexual orientation and yet minister the truth of the gospel? Yeah, in response to the first part of the question, Brett, uh, yes, absolutely. No question. Because it isn't just an issue of human sexuality. It's really an issue of the authority of Scripture and our belief that God's Word speaks into culture and helps us to know how to respond and gives us a roadmap and, and not the other way around. Culture doesn't dictate the way we see the Scriptures. Uh, God's Word is the foundation. And so this issue in particular, as I said, is really also about the authority of God's Word and how we live in a in a society that is very uh, diverse and different. And that, I guess, relates to the second part of your question, which is the, you know, that, that balance of holding to a biblical perspective, but also loving people as, as Christ would love them. And uh, while making that commitment to remain true to biblical principles, you know, as the, as the book that Dr. Bruce Cromwell authored, Loving from Where We Stand, I think is a, a really appropriate word picture, not only about this issue, but a lot of other things, uh, a lot of other questions that the church is, is being forced to deal with is we want to love, we want to encourage people to come to know Jesus. We want to walk with them in the reality as the Holy Spirit uh, reveals to them the places of their own sinfulness and yet we will not compromise. We dare not compromise the authority of God's word and its ability to speak into every area, every corner of our lives. Um, and so I think the I think that that issue of the ability to love from where we stand is so important for the church to understand and for the church to be a welcoming place. For people who are seeking and struggling and trying to find a church home, man, our doors should be wide open and our arms outstretched. Let's say, come, welcome. You are uh, you are a part of this family. And yet also praying that God would meet people in their need and their sin, and they wouldn't remain the same. 
they would submit to the authority of God's word and the power of living in community. Uh, just just two, two parts of what it means to, to address issues like these that are so vital for us to understand. That's great. Thank you so much, Bishop Matt. Great response. And yes, we do need to have our doors wide open and say, we love you, come on in. Um, and yet at the same time, surrender to the authority of scripture. The next question is, what do you see on the horizon as a preferred future for the Free Methodist Church? Yeah, I mean, I've <laughs> I've been in ministry long enough to know uh, that the next four years, the next quadrennium will undoubtedly bring multiple challenges. So that's just a given that uh, there will be challenges. But I also think, and I believe with all my heart, there'll be great kingdom opportunities as well. You know, I love that. I love that reference where the Apostle Paul uh, talks about the fact that great effective doors have been opened to me and there are many who oppose me. Mm. There was uh, sort of a, a banner for us to keep in mind. It's that God is wide open doors for us as we go forward uh, over these next four years. Uh, and there's opposition. And that's okay. We understand that. Um, so I, I would just say that, uh, again, as I referenced at the start, the ability to live out the, the free Methodist way and our vision as a part of what we want to be about but also to reference, you know, our preferred future really is is uh, is grounded and I guess conditional on our complete and total dependence on the Spirit of God to guide us, convict us, empower us, fill us. That's the only way that we're going to reach this divided world. Uh, and the commitment of local churches and annual conferences. Uh, to, to go forward, as I talked about earlier, in this commitment to evangelism and discipleship and a really a systemic culture of multiplication, which is happening. Uh, it's been really exciting to see what God is doing, really, in each uh, annual conference around the country around uh, multiplication, that it, it, it's becoming a part of our DNA once again. Um, and we're, we're really, really... Um, thankful for that. So, boy, our preferred future, I think, ahead is bright, but we have to continue to uh, make the necessary decisions that will help that to happen. But I believe, you know, as the Apostle Paul said, there, there are great doors of effective kingdom ministry in front of us, and we have to continue to make the kinds of decisions that empower pastors, empower local church leaders, to do whatever they can in their own individual context, that people who don't know Jesus, people who are far from him, would be welcomed. They'd hear the gospel. They'd have an opportunity to respond and say yes to Jesus. And they would then be discipled in what does it mean to be a Christ follower? And how do we how do we go forward together? As I said, you know, under that sense of a total dependence on the Spirit of God to help us to help us see those places where uh, we need to alter systems and change organizational structure uh, to be the most effective that we can be uh, for the future, for God's kingdom. Amen. We can never go wrong with total dependence upon the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah, amen. Yeah. 
Well, has God given you any other visions, dreams, or words regarding your personal call to say yes to being uh, considered once again as a nominee and for the church in general? And if so, what are they and how are you interpreting those? Yeah, that's a great question, Brett. Um, I think the thing I would say about that is that both Melanie and I believe we have a green light to go forward in this process. Uh, the last four years has been has been a great experience. Um, you know, I've said to some people recently, don't ever feel sorry for me. I have the greatest job in the world. Um, yes, it's taxing and I do a lot of traveling, but boy, I get to connect with people all over the world, here in the United States and in various places around the world and get to see what God's doing. So I really believe um, that, you know, our Wesleyan message of God's reconciling holy love that transforms the human heart and families and communities and culture is a message that we offer to a hurting world. And, you know, as Wesleyans, we see the world differently. We really do. We have a differing perspective on what it means to, to follow Jesus. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the visions and dreams and words I get from the Lord um, are, are just simply to continue to submit my will to his will, to continue to listen you know, to be able to tune my heart and tune out the distractions. Uh, I don't know about you, but that is like a daily decision. Okay, God, I want to hear your voice, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything in my power to make sure that my mind and heart are attuned to hear. Um, so, you know, that may not be a direct response to the question, uh, but I do believe that... Uh, that, as I said earlier, you know, the future is hopeful, and I'm excited about that, while also saying this, you know, Melanie and I are are submitted to the process. There's some really wonderful, uh, the, the process has been great. There's excellent bishop nominees. And so I know Linda, uh, Bishop Linda, Bishop Keith, and I have talked about this. We're just holding this really loosely. We want God's will. And, and I know that's the that's the right thing to say, but it's really the truth. And the general conference is wise. These are good, godly people who will be prayed up when we get to general conference, and they'll make the decision that they're going to make, and that'll be that'll be great. And and you know, I think that that word picture, I mean, sort of that that picture of holding things loosely, sure. while being deeply committed to say, God, I'm in this. If you want this, I'm I'm all in. But also to to recognize that. Um, May God's will be done, and we uh, we will respond accordingly. Great. Thank you so much for that great response. Is there anything else in your heart about the Free Methodist Church that you'd like to share with our family in closing today? Wow. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to, um, to connect and to talk a little bit, have a chance to just think out loud with, with you and with our uh, with our family. Um, you know, I love the I love the quote from John Wesley, which I know you've heard and others may have heard as well. He said, I'm not afraid that the people called Methodists should ever cease to exist, either in Europe or America. But I am afraid lest they should only exist as a dead sect, having the form of religion without the power. 
And this undoubtedly will be the case unless they hold fast both the doctrine, spirit, and discipline with which they first set out. So I would just say, you know, our commitment, uh, our, our belief, uh, th this understanding that we're called to ignite a spirit-fueled movement is the real deal. It isn't some slogan, you know, that <laughs> that came down through an ad campaign. We believe, by God's grace, that if we're going to survive as a denomination, it's because we ignite a spirit-fueled movement. And there is the opportunity for free Methodists around the world and here in the United States to see this amazing movement of God's Spirit, as we've seen around the world, but also here in the United States. And I'm deeply committed to doing anything and everything I can in whatever place uh, God has me to fan the flames and um, ignite to the best of my ability, a spirit-fueled movement, because that, that will signal a hopeful future. And only that. Um, we're over 160 years old, but I believe by God's grace, the, the ignition of this spirit-fueled movement has started, and we want to fan into flame and see, uh, see God's spirit empower and convict and propel and empower us to the kind of future he desires for each of us, for our churches and for our ministry family. Amen. Well said. Thank you so much, Bishop Matt. I appreciate you taking the time to join me today and having this conversation. I'm sure it'll be highly beneficial to our delegates and to other people coming to General Conference and the church in general to just hear from your heart. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And we'll see uh, everybody at General Conference in July. So I want to remind you listeners that if you want to find out more about all our Bishop nominees, you can go to gc23.org nominees, where you will find uh, video presentations, these podcast interviews, and resumes for each of our bishops. And we will look forward to seeing you at GC23. On behalf of Light and Life Communications, I'm Brett Heinzman thanking you, and may you be part of igniting a spirit-fueled movement in our church.